This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 418, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast is episode 418. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me are Josh Flanagan. What is up? And Paul Montgomery. Yes. They both have gone insane in the snowstorm. Yes. Red rum, red rum. <laughs> we are a fanboy. What's up, Scatman? We like comics, and we can read a bunch of comics. One of us reads all their comics, picks the best one, calls that the Pick of the Week. We talk about that on the show, along with other books of the week. Other topics of interest and all the fun stuff. It may be snow, maybe Band of Brothers. All kinds of fun things happen on the show. Elephant stuff, if we want. I uh, elephant friends. stuff. <laughs> That's what my Craigslist ad says. Before we get Must to the show, quick, stuff. <laughs> quick reminder and a warning. This is a review show, so there'll be spoilers about things that happened this week. Some people died in the pick of the week we're going to talk about in a second. So if you haven't read that book yet, pause the show and come back later. Paul. Paul had the very first Archie Comics pick of the week in iFanboy history. Is it really? In 13 years of iFanboy. None first of the, one. none of the, uh, okay. Very first. None one. of the Sonic books made it? No Sonic Mega books. Man nope. <laughs> okay. So, so Afterlife with Archie, number three. Um, it was finally in a week where Josh didn't have the pick. <laughs> remind, remind me to tell you about Sonic Guy later. Okay. <laughs> we, uh. I think we all know a Sonic guy. We uh, so, so so we talk about how how progressive Archie is, like editorially, especially you know for a publisher where the character and the characters and 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 the world like feel like they're not not trapped, but like they persist. Yeah, Brendan Fraser like in a Cold War bunker. Right. Um. But well, you know, there's a veneer of that. There's Fraser a veneer of it, or specifically Encino Man. Um, no, not Encino Man. Uh, Blast from the Past. Blast oh. from the Past. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Um, Carry on. Encino Man's like about, like he's a Neanderthal, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's not a bunker. That's a piece of ice. Yeah. Well. Caveman lawyer. Um, so, yeah, so everybody's <laughs> usually like off to the, everybody's usually off to the sock hopper at the malt shop or whatever. Um, but what's interesting about Afterlife with Archie is that it's this whole different kind of throwback. And like you think about like Hitchcock movies and hammer horror films and, and old pulp books and and a lot of that is Francesco Francavilla um, just creating that mood creating that atmosphere and just the way th- his finishes on his art it just it looks like that vintage kind of horror style um, but it's it's progressive in its way because you have this writer Roberto um, Aguirre Sacasa um, who has that better than how I pronounce it yeah <laughs> Uh, who who has this this sort of this modern insight into how we'd perceive these characters today, which is why there's like this like incest subtext in issue two right. um, for those characters. They're not in this one, but um, it's why Veronica's dad, Mister Lodge, feels kind of like the governor in this issue, um, and that makes a lot of sense. And this issue is called it's, this issue is called Lockdown. And most of it takes place in Lodge Manor instead of Manor Lodge, uh, where all the kids have escaped, who have, who have survived the, uh, the dance, um, have come and they're, they've, they've sought shelter. And I love that it starts with this sort of flashback of Mr. Lodge. It's Hiram Lodge, is that his name? Hiram Lodge, yeah. Thinking back on how he first came to Riverdale and built his estate with his own hands by God, <laughs> and his wife is pregnant, and I love the scene where she's on the train. Um, she has since died. Um, yeah. She died like she's been dead. Like she didn't die in this event. No. Um, it was just always Veronica and her dad and, and uh, Smithers, the butler. Um, so anyways, she's on... Smithers the sh- is like Black Ops, too. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's... A, He's like Alfred. It's like Michael Caine Alfred, yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, Veronica's mother, Hermione, is on the train, and she encounters these 
these sort of weird women who can perceive that she's carrying uh, like a dark-haired uh, female child. And you realize as the scene progresses that those are Sabrina's aunts from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And it's just this weird spooky scene on a train and it, and it reminds me of like Strangers on a Train or like The Lady Vanishes. And they create this, this, this really creepy mood and it's just a really smart use of the character and, and of the characters and, and the world. And um, I'm, just con- I'm just continually impressed by this book and how smartly written it is. And even though it's like super melodramatic, it's it's knowingly it works, it works for the tone and the characters. I mean, it works for the story. Yeah, and I mean, uh, there's like no fainting couches or anything, but it has that great. It's like dark shadows. That's what it feels like. Are we saying that fainting couches are wrong? Because if they are, I don't want to be like faint. Paul. Like when I say melodrama, it's not yeah. like super over the top. I think like it's, the beginning I of Masterpiece right. Theater when they had that woman would faint on top of the building and drop her handkerchief down. Yeah. Now, I had two thoughts while reading this book. One, uh, if this is truly an ongoing, they better stop killing off characters, at least as quickly as they are. In this issue, um, both Moose... Don't they come back undead? Yeah, they come back as zombies, but then you have a little more protagonists to follow. Right. You just, you uh, just, you just switch it to a, a zombie-based protagonist like that. <laughs> like like, like Jughead is already out. Kid. Like Jughead is already out of the picture. Like, so, first issue. Well, that like, was So right. you have, you have Archie. Attention. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. Um... He's the Black Goliath of of Afterlife with Archie. Oh. Um, it's an unfortunate name. And this issue, Moose yes, and Midge get it. But yeah. um, the other thought I had was that if I can accept it a little bit more in the regular Archie world because it's so cartoony and, as you say, in that bubble, that Norman Rockwell bubble. But in a, in a more sort of realistic setting with realistic art and everything, I'm just looking at Betty going, have some goddamn self-respect. Because there's a scene where she, you know Archie's going to run off to check on their their family, so he's going to sneak out of the lodge, and she's helping him, and she's trying to get him to profess some feelings for him. He tells her that no, he's going to waffle on this one between Veronica and Betty for another seventy years, and I'm just looking at her going, man, move on. Yeah, it's like she's she's worried about his safety, and his way of consoling her is to say, no, 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 I will I will continue to live for many many years. And in that time, I will still not know if I love you or Veronica. And they're and they're escaping from like the uh, the pantry, yeah. and it's the one place where he used to sneak into the to the manor to make out with Veronica. And he's yeah, telling, he's telling us, Betty, this is where I used to go to make out with Veronica. And I'm just like, man, Betty, Jesus, find someone else. I think it works for the tone, though. I think it's no, totally, I, I just think it's a great insight on the characters and, and how sort of absurd it all. I just is. found it interesting how I don't even think about that in the regular Archie books, but for some reason in this one, it really hit me. Like, God. You know, get a get a get a good better boyfriend. And I like that they have a pool that has a cover on it, which is in the grand tradition of stories like It's a Wonderful Life and right. West Wing, where they have a pool maybe under the press briefing room. Um, all great stories have a pool that has a cover on it. Um, and also, and Mr. Lodge is Commissioner Gordon. He is just, kind of Commissioner Gordon, yeah. Just straight up Franco Fria drawing Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, and we've got another maybe zombie dog. Um, is is the cliffhanger? Um, but no, I just I, I think this is a I think this is a really impressive book and and uh... just from a art standpoint alone, I mean that that zombie dog at the end, which may just be an angry dog. Um, no, he's got blood coming out of his mouth. He's a zombie dog. Uh, just a great use of negative space in that in that image. He could be eating strawberries or something. That's true. We'll find out next month, I guess. But uh, if you're a Frank Avia fan, you should just leaf through it. It's a it's a wonderful. The shot of Archie standing in front of a burning pop Tate's was a great page. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's really it's structured really interestingly. Like like he comes upon pop Tate's and then you see how it came to be burning. Right. Um, and there's some you know interesting parallel storytelling going on. And you mentioned like you know if th- this is an ongoing and how it's going to sustain that. Um, they released a cover today where it's it looks like it's not going to be just zombies. Uh-oh. It looks like there's more sort of like I don't know uh, Lovecraftian like. Well, we've already got lob creatures and yeah. There's not it's not called zombies with Archie. It's called afterlife. So That's all right. those all those creatures fall into the afterlife category. So you know you could have werewolves show up and fight the zombies, and that could sustain things for a while. I would totally be into that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying they're really often the major Archie players at a furious clip, and I think they need to slow down a little bit. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying they should make it. They should. I don't. I have no. I have no dog in this fight. By the way, I'm just. 
talking. You should. You should check it out. You should, you would like the art. But I don't even get the. Okay, I mean that's fine. But, but yeah, like you'll get it through context. What's yeah, you know? I just don't care. That's okay. I don't really like Archie, and I don't really like zombies. So it's a you like good thing. art. I there's there's but there's no shortage of that. I can get good art a lot. That's reasonable. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is you don't care about Francisco Francovia. I, I knew that you were going to turn that personal. Um, and if you saw him at a convention, you'd spit on him. I That's would, what I heard. I, yeah, I, and I have. <laughs> I, I, well, he's Italian. I insulted him. And you don't like I Italians said, either. I said, I said, Bafangul. And I, and, I, <laughs> and I sort of brushed my chin, I guess, in that way. Malone, I said. <laughs> I, I, and then I said something to him about flushing it down the pichadu. But well, there you go. Yeah, I, I don't know what I was well, saying. I, I, deep, had, yeah. I was eating a baguette at the time, <laughs> so that was weird. Well, those are delicious. Let's talk about Young Avengers fifteen. <laughs> um, Favorite segue ever. <laughs> the end of uh, Kieran Gillen, Jamie McKelvey, and Mike Norton's run on Young Avengers. This is part two of the resolution storyline, which is basically the year end party. Which I really was hoping for more of a party atmosphere for these two issues. When really it was just sort of the party was happening in the background. But that's fine. Um, that would have been boring reading. It was kind of melancholy. I, I, wanted to, I, brought this, I wanted to bring this up because I actually I had sort of said near the end of the last few is- issues that I had, I had lost the thread of it. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know what was going on. And now I do know what went on. I actually really enjoyed the end of it. I thought it was a night. I feel like he hit. When I say he, I'm, I'm saying uh, Kieran Gillen specifically hit notes on this with me that I think passed over me when they did Phonogram for the first time. I mean, clearly, like, it's the same guy who did that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something about – I don't even relate to it that much, but there's something about the the party, music, dance, community, whatever the cathartic effect of all that is that's interesting that he's exploring, I think. <clears throat> and I like how – it is uh, – I, I think I, what I like about it now is it's personal yeah. to the creators or at least the writer. And I think that that comes through and that makes it interesting to me. And then to see how he takes that and folds it into, folds it into th- this story. And that's, that's unusual. Like that, that, I, I read this and I thought, A, there are a lot of gay people in this book. Not as a negative, but wow, that's uh, that's that's pretty progressive for I, the whole thing was pretty progressive for a Marvel comic, and I was impressed the whole by that. team minus Hawkeye. Yeah, basically, but even at the end, she was like, you know, yeah. let's let's see what we got going on. But uh, I, I don't know. She's I, young. She's in college. I just liked that it was very different than uh, like as a series. Like it was very odd, not a place with the whole sort of line of everything. And and I liked that it was going on as an experiment. And at the end, I liked it because I liked the characters. Um, I also really dug uh, – there's like a – I have to look at it so I can remember my thought on this. But I like that the, the, like the very last thing of it was, you know, is this just Billy creating an avatar of an avatar? Like it, it, there's a sort of a deeper sort of level to it I think that was really neat. Yeah. Um, I think uh, McKelvey draws a great Tom Hiddleston. It's Yes. Yes. The very last sequence is basically drawing them, you know – I, I like I like the art in this issue too. I mean, they they had. Uh, I like the opening story mm-hmm. with, with Becky Cloonan. If you haven't been reading the last two issues, they've been uh, sort of anthology pieces of all the characters featuring different artists, and uh, I liked that a lot. Yeah, it was good. I, it was it was kind. Of, I thought it was a satisfying ending, and it was melancholy, and it had drunk America Chavez, and uh, even like the last page was a little drunk weird. in quotes. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little hokey, but. Like it was touching still, and I thought it was drawn really well. And and like Loki at one point looks up, you know, he's looking at them leaving, but he's looking at us also at the same time. It's just really nice acting and storytelling. I was I was actually I was really pleased. I liked I liked the integration of the Instagram. I liked it from the beginning. I normally that. hate that. Well, it's I'm at the point now where I forget what book I was reading this week, but there's a there's a if you have tweets in a book, I just I just can't stand it. It was a thing. That, I don't know, man. I mean, at this point, this is this is how life is now, right? I know, so have, I know, but I don't. I uh, what was I reading? I forget. Probably something I didn't want to talk about for some reason. If you want to, you know, make these comics reflective of modern life, and this is what people do. Right. But it's, I mean, it's very difficult to make it authentic, and they did a really good job both in scripting it, conceptualizing it, and just you know recreating the you know the OS. Like it's. 
Um, you know, it just it just feels it's it, you know it's not like a like an episode of Law and Order where they're going on face union. Mm-hmm. You know where they have their profiles and stuff. I love those because it's not consistent. Like they they make no, they, up a new Facebook every, every time, time. It's different. Yeah. Oh, Law and Order. It, uh, so let's talk about the Detective Comics twenty seven, which is also an anthology or a. Uh, I guess it's an anniversary issue. This is yeah, it's an anniversary you, issue with all the heavy hitters currently writing Batman books. I guess, and uh, this was um, you know in a grand tradition of you know anniversary issues. So you've got a uh, Brad Meltzer, Brian Hitch story, a Greg Hurwitz, Neil Adams story, a Peter Tomasi, Ian Bertram story with really interesting indie art style, uh, Francesco Francovia written drawn story, a Mike Barr, Gio March story. Jason, uh, Jason Lehman, uh, John Lehman, Jason Fabuk's story, which ties into the overall Detective Comics story that's going on, and then there's Scott Snyder, Sean Murphy's story. I like how you say uh, Fabuk. Fabuk. I do too. Um, and, there's, and there's also some uh, some pinups throughout. Yeah, Jock and people like that. So Mike Graham, Nolan, Josh, um, Paul. Which was your favorite? I I thought the uh, the 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 one that's the, the Gothamopolis. Was very oh, interesting. It's not my Gotham favorite. Topia. Gotham Topia, excuse me. Gotham Topia. That's like yeah, the main story that's being continued on until the other Batman book. That's a. It's a very interesting concept, and it's the. It's sort of the idea that it's like I don't know, Batman in Pleasantville. Like everything's everything's fine and nice, but there's this, this this sinister undertone that you know we know what Gotham is really like, and they describe it early on as you know Gotham is the the happiest you know sunniest city in the world, and you're like well, no, it's not. No, and and Batman is wearing white. It's a it's a white bat suit, and um, I th- I just thought it was kind of funny in terms of like introducing sunnier versions of the Bat family. So instead of Robin or Catwoman, you have Catbird, which is Selina as a half Catwoman, half Robin Ward character, which was a little bit. It was a it was a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, and then, like, all the different Birds of Prey characters as, like, you know, it's a much more lighthearted thing. But th- I think that my favorite was the last one was was the Scott Snyder 27 story because I it feels like a great spark for a longer story. Yeah, that, that was a good one. My, my favorite by far was uh, Old School, the Greg Hurwitz, Neil Adams story, which I think Josh would have liked because it was very much about comic book storytelling. So it was... It was a meta tale of Batman and Robin through the ages. Dot pitch in the beginning. And it so, was like, like Golden Age Batman story. Yeah, the Golden Age story starts off with the characters talking about what they were doing, and then it changes to thought balloons, and then it changes to captions, and then their costumes change throughout. throughout. It was actually really well done sort of take on how these characters have evolved over the years, uh, their villains, how their villains are, and just the way they communicate, how the story's communicated and everything. It was actually really... Interesting. Although there was a really sort of heavy-handed thank you to Bob Kane at the end. It's, there's a lot of interesting meta stuff going on in this issue because some people thanked Bill Finger, some people thanked Bob Kane. Yeah, that was kind of weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I mean, Bob Kane is the official DC recognized creator of Batman, so that makes sense. But then some of those stories were basically thank yous to Bill Finger, which is the many people believe the actual creator of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was interesting. I really like the art in the Peter Tomasi story. Very unlike DC. That was very, like it. It felt like a combination of not Frank Quitely, but a little bit of Quitely in there. A little bit of that, and Doctor Seuss in the line work. Like in the, like you're looking at seventy five year old Bruce Wayne, and like looking at his back, and just the way the hair is drawn. Right. It's very much the way that Doctor Seuss would do texture. Which yeah, I, it's I interesting. It was kind of cool. Um, following, but, the following joke, by the way, is just just for Connor. It looks like the art in that Tomasi story is by that cat Bytrum. <laughs> so if you if you listen to the the, the uh, if you listen to the book Splode that I did with Scott Snyder uh, on um, Batman Year One Hundred by Paul Pope, he he teases this twenty seven story yeah. uh, quite a bit, and it's. You it can kind of totally Batman 100 story. Kind you of. can you you can totally see because it's it's actually Batman year like 200, um, yeah. where it's and it's it's very much following in that idea that it's Batman as a legacy and it's not just the Robins taking on the mantle of, of Batman or his his own offspring. It's like a, a new guy takes it up every 20. 
five years or whatever. It was 17 years, wasn't it? Something weird. It's, it, there's a lot of math, and it was sort of like it's yeah. like each each Batman has like a, a shelf life of 27 years, and when and after 25 years, they start the process again, creating a new Batman, and you you get your own sort of rogues, and um, you get you fill up the Batcave with your own stuff, and everybody sort of has a rite of passage with the Joker and learning what that's all about, and it just if and like Sean Murphy art. Looked really great, really interesting yeah. versions of of Batman, um, the, the the Black Robin that we've been hearing so much about, um, a little bit of like a like a Batman Beyond kind of vibe to it, but even beyond that, yep. there's like a sa- like the the old Batman who's on his way out is sort of like a samurai looking Batman or yeah, that art, the like art was wonderful goals. in that yeah yeah it was just a really interesting world I, I want to see more of that so I hope that he he follows up and and, and does something. Uh, did this continue. one have the um, it's a wonderful life esque story? Or did I read it somewhere else? Tell me more. Where <laughs> where Bruce sees eyes. Bruce sees what life would have been like if he hadn't been Batman? Did I read that somewhere else? I think you read that somewhere else. That's not. So I've been reading happened. a lot of comics this morning, so I didn't. I didn't oh no, it's in this one. It's Is the. It? Uh, it's the, uh, I'm trying to load it here. It's the Mike W. Bargia March story where Phantom Stranger shows Bruce what, what would oh, happen. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. If, uh, if, he, if the parents hadn't died in the alley. I thought you'd like that because there's Phantom Stranger in it. Oh, I love that. This was a very classic sort of DC story. Phantom Stranger shows Phantom up. Phantom Stranger sound like Jimmy Stewart? Kind of. Actually, that would be awesome. You'd sound did. like Clarence. You'd sound like. So he shows Bruce what it would have been like. Bruce and sounds like Jimmy Stewart. Yes. And, uh. Bruce Wayne's got his family and his, and the, you know, the parents are still there, and they're living in this sort of their fortress apartment because Gotham is a cesspool, and Ra's al Ghul's taken over half of Europe, and Dick Grayson's on death row for killing Tony Zuko. Like, I mean, it was just a really nice sort of classic, old mystical story with the Phantom Stranger. That was really cool. It was a good issue, really, really good issue. I thought, really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I'm going to read it. I didn't, I didn't think to for some reason. I, I saw it, everyone talking about it all around, but I don't think I knew what it was. So that's that's good, and apparently that's a problem with. Uh, so it's Batman. If it was a big issue, I would have noticed that in the store. But now, since I don't buy the issues in the store, I just thought that's bad. It was super big. It was like eighty something yeah. pages. Yeah. I would have been like, "What's that?" I would have seen all the covers on the front. So this is a drawback of digital that I've just discovered. Well, this was funny because there was some big hullabaloo about it. originally still stuff a Frank Miller cover, mm. um, and then they solicited that, and then they changed it, and people are you know stores are freaking out. But the Frank Miller cover was terrible. It's it's in the, it's in the bag. The, the Capullo cover is gorgeous. Yeah, the Capullo cover is great. The Frank Miller cover is awful. I'm a Frank Miller fan, but that was you, you not are. a good cover. If you, if you read it in digital, it's at the back. Yeah, yeah but it's just, it's just not. I don't, yeah. It's like he found an old piece of art and gave it to him. Right. Does that, that sounds about right. Yeah. All right, Josh, what is minimum wage? I, I was going to read it, but I ran out of time. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, I, I wanted you to because I thought you'll, you'll dig it. Uh, I think, but I knew it was a big week, and that always makes it hard to, to stick more stuff in. Um, that and your endless, endless parade of house guests. So a while back, um, I got a book from Image called uh, Maximum Minimum Wage, and it was this big uh, hardcover collection, and uh, I'd never heard of Bob Fingerman or the book, but there was, it was I, for some I noticed that there was a forward by uh, Robert Kirkman, and I thought, that's unusual. He doesn't really do that that often, uh, even, even though he has a stake in Image. And, and then uh, later... Uh, Somebody mentioned the guy again. I was at uh, I was at a thing and I was at that Star Wars minute thing, and he was there and he knew some of my friends who were sort of indie cartoonists. and And so uh, this issue, uh, minimum wage, uh, came out this week, and I, I thought I'd give it a shot. And and what it is is that um, this was a, an indie comic that it, when I say indie comic, this is what I think Connor and I think of when we say indie yep, comic. Totally um, not me. What's that? Not me. I don't know. Well, this this feels very much like, and I'm looking through it. and I didn't read it, but it, feels, it looks like a you know an '80s indie com yeah, underground the, comic. The, the, I guess the definition of what an indie comic is has changed uh, generationally, <laughs> and I just wasn't sure if you were around for this. But when I think of it, I think of Dan Klaus and Adrian Crump. And, and Crump, guys just sitting there talking. Whereas indie comic now is a different connotation, and I, and I, I don't know what that means for you, but I'm I'm willing to listen. Yeah, it sort of feels like. Uh, uh, you know, um, American Splendor. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it took me uh, it took me a, a couple of pages to get into it because it's it is it's obviously it's very sort of uh, self involved <laughs> because it's just a it's a person writing some version of their life and they sort of there's sort of more talking than than you're used to. It's not 
there's it's not really so much about storytelling it's about sort of spending time with a person experiencing their life as you go and i haven't read anything like that in a while and i think one of the things that i really enjoyed about this um is that is that it it was just that it was sort of that pure kind of uh comic story and i haven't i haven't read this in i haven't read stuff like this in such a long time i used to love it and then there 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 was so much of it at a certain point that it got like got to be too much and now there isn't any left other than sort yeah. of going back and reading old, you know, Chester Brown stuff or whatever. Um, anyway, uh, he, he published his last issue, I guess, of this in 97 or 98. And this is the first new material that Bob Fingerman has done since then. Um, he's doing he's doing more issues of this. And uh, I hadn't read that other book. I'm, I'm going to read it now. Um, but basically, it's a story of a, a he's a 25 year old cartoonist. Uh, and he's already he's been he's been divorced and he's living uh, in like Queens in Long Island. And uh, he goes out and he's, he works for – this takes place in the year 2000. Uh, he, he works getting most of his income doing uh, pornography comics uh, for like, like porn mags. But like he goes into the office and, and they're, they're telling him this, is, this job is going to go away. No, no one's <laughs> going to be paying for this. Um, and he, he's – because he's divorced, he decides to get back out there. But like he goes to a club in Long Island and it's, it's, not, it's not my life <laughs> at all. But I, I don't know. I just – I had fun being uh, in this world and sort of reading this kind of comic. I, I, I'd miss this kind of comic uh, is what I was reminded of. And, and I, think that, I think you'll dig it. Uh, too. I don't. I don't know, Paul. Did do, do you know what it is, or does it sound like something you'd want to read? It's about, yeah. No, it definitely sounds like something I want to read. Not just because it's the pornography, but just like the, I don't know. <laughs> I, little pornography. Like I was excited when like the new Optic Nerve came out earlier this year, yeah, and that's sort of that kind of thing, and like slice of life. It is kind of. the thing about Optic Nerve is is that uh, Adrian Tumine is a re- very good draftsman. It's like, polished. I think that I think part of it's the polishedness right. uh, versus the roughness of it. And this feels yeah. very rough, which is what comics. When Josh and I were young, indie comics were they were rough. Yeah, Tomini's a bit more, you know, craftsman. Also, I can't take optic nerve. I find it. I find it soul jarring. It's just. It's just this like numb sadness the whole way. I through. liked the previous one more. Yeah. The, I, I forget what number they're up to, but I, I you know, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. It was. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. I I always loved it, but um, I loved the way it looked, but I I couldn't read it, and it was like it was like. Because they were just those little vignettes of like a few pages at a time. It was like, here's this sad, awkward thing. Another <laughs> sad, awkward thing. It was this endless procession of no story and just, oh, I, I do feel like that, but I don't need to be reminded of it constantly. <laughs> no, but that's, 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 that, that's what I would think of if you said, you know, indie comic or independent comic. Um, but when someone brings up independent comics, like it's like when someone says hipster, like it, it means something else for, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, like, but but tra- in terms of what it actually means, that's what I think of. And, yeah. You know, like Scud, the disposable assassin, and things like that. I don't yeah, know. but see, it, it's funny because I think when I st- I think I think uh, when I think of it, I st- it's almost not like it's it's a genre that I that used to be what I would think of as indie comics, mm-hmm. and that's not mm-hmm. uh, that's not a thing anymore, uh, I guess. Which is good because now indie means not Marvel or DC, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's well, let's cool. swing to the exact opposite side of the spectrum for Black Widow number one, <laughs> the uh, new book from Marvel, the, from the all-new Marvel now. This is the next wave. It was Marvel now. Now it's all-new Marvel now. Yeah. And, and next um, wave are different comics also. Right. Yes. Black Widow number one from Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto. And uh, I thought this was really fun. I th- I, and I thought Noto was on top of it. Yeah. One of the best things about the world now is that there's more Phil Noto art in it. Yeah, like there was a while where where there wasn't any Phil Noto art. There was like a occasional Jonah Hex, maybe a cover here and there, uh, but but that's not the case. Uh, yeah, I, I I dug this. I enjoyed it. I'm hit and miss with with Nathan Edmondson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find his work to be very uh, technically precise. Uh, like his action sequences are really good, but sometimes I don't I don't connect with it very much, and I'm not sure if I do connect with this. Um, but the combination of him and him and Noto at the same time was is pretty sweet. I think with this and and he's also doing Punisher. Um, those are pretty spot on, you know, choices for him in yeah. terms of of a portfolio of stuff to work on this year. So I'm um, I'm excited for both of these. Um, I guess we get we get Punisher next month. So um, I'd be excited which which ones we sort of latch onto, if if not both. Um, I, I love the coloring on this. I just yeah. I just love at the beginning you just see art by Phil Noto and you're like yeah, that's yeah. the way it should be. <laughs> just just Phil Noto does the art. Don't you don't he doesn't need anybody else to take that Jordy Belair. Take that. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> it was very, very like really nice warm colors or cool colors depending on the mood and just it like interesting color choices. Like it, it's it's sort of like ambient color instead of just like what like, what color should a chair be? It's what what color is the air in the room? Um, what's what's the mood? And um, you know, very like super cool spy op stuff. Um, I I like the choice that she doesn't like confrontation. It's just so, it's uh, um, a means to an end, or it's like the last. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's the very last thing last she can do, choice, yeah. last choice, she will go in for the confrontation. Always good when somebody is hiding on the bottom of something, like or like on a ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. It's a strong. Have you ever tried that? I tried to do that on like like in my shower. I th- well, what? <laughs> like I, I, like I, I really think that you would look up and see that. I was yeah, you would. Um, I was big into like the the Pink Panther movies and like you know like Cato attacking you know Inspector Clouseau right. like just jumping out of nowhere. So, for whatever reason, Phil Noto is allowed to do things that I don't other let other artists get away with. Like I'm what? looking at sort of the last couple pages and and these are clearly like pasted in photos of the buildings. Oh yeah, yeah. And I hate that usually, or or like the last page where he's got the rack focus on the spider in her face. Um, which could be cheesy, but for whatever reason, the dude can pull it off, and I'm totally fine with it. He's, the, um, he's gotten so much better. Remember, do you remember like the problem used to be that his stuff was he, too stiff? Yeah, he couldn't. He wasn't very good at uh, storytelling. He was great pinup artist. Yeah, but but this, but he's gotten a lot he's better. A lot, this um one two three four. There's a twelve panel page in here. Dubai thirty six hours later with the elevator yes. thing. That yes. is just wonderful. Actually, yeah. it's, there's an extra panel, so it's 30. some great defenestration in this <laughs> issue. Um, always good. Good stuff. I thought this was fun. Yeah. I think he's doing his own lettering too, or at least sound effects lettering. Yeah, I think sound effects lettering. There's, there's a letter in the beginning. Off to, off to a good start. Hey kids, uh, the holidays are still just ending depending on where you live. And, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> some no, people, st- like some of you actually, still haven't taken your tree down like, yet. like Australia or <laughs> if you like me and you've had guests in your house since the holidays, you just <laughs> left. So oh. you just feel like the holidays are finally ended. Um, I you have still like, got some Rolos left over from your stockings, up, holiday chocolate and things like that. Uh, but you're like Josh said last week, you're probably going to look for stuff to get yourself that you didn't get for Christmas or Hanukkah this year. So, you know, head over to Amazon via ifamway.com slash Amazon to pick up your purchases. Hey, you may have discovered a book about the German and American army fighting together in World War II. Oh. You didn't know it even existed. So now you might want to buy that. And you do that at ifamway.com slash Amazon. Kind of cool World War II battle you never even... Something you never even heard of. Is that the <laughs> book I got you or is that something else? No, there's a new book out, Paul, that, that about uh, apparently a battle at the end of the war, which the uh, German and American soldiers teamed up to fight an SS unit. Because okay. the SS were like the super German army, like those, uh, like the Japanese guys who hid in the mountains and wouldn't give up, even though the, even though he or he had signed it. This was this is for for guys like Josh and I who thought we knew a lot of things about the World War II. It's kind of a game changer. So, yeah. uh, you might want to check that out on Amazon, or you might want to go to fanbo.com slash registration for three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year. You can help with the uh, keep the lights on, keep the equipment up to date, keep all the. We were just talking to Paul earlier about things he needed to upgrade because he might have had some problems. So. We're talking about oh, his knee. Tough. Yeah, well, his knee is yeah. hip. <laughs> um, you hear this creaking sound in the background? <laughs> so if you want to help iFanboy, those are the two best ways, through iFanboy.com slash Amazon or iFanboy.com slash registration. And we thank each and every one of you who do so. It's always exciting when you find a new World War II story and it doesn't have, like, you know, vampires or zombies in it. That's the key to a good but World Paul, War II But, Paul, the, the book you got me for a Christmas World War II book, I have next on my list. So okay, it's on good. the top of my stack. I'm just happy you didn't have it already because that's no, 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 what I happens. No, no, no. I have it. It sounds awesome. And it's, yeah. I don't know if you looked at Oh, you didn't look at it because you got it from Amazon. Right. Like, a good, like a good soldier. But uh, I'm looking through the middle pictures, which are always awesome, uh, full of very British spies in World War II. It's going to be an awesome book. I'm that's, for, that's why I figured that sounds like a Connor It's a very, very particular guy. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> What's Oxford grads? Go, Paul, go. <laughs> All right, so uh, I checked out, and I, I started with number four, Shaolin Cowboy. Love it. Because um, my pick this week, and I was like, I'm going to read more than I usually do, and I'm going to read something just surprising. I was like, let's check out Shaolin Cowboy. I like the Jeff Darrow. I've got some prints of his from New York Comic Con that I still haven't hung up. But I love the Jeff Darrow. This, this was a great— You should hang this up. It took him 15 years to draw. I know. This was a great choice. Starting with number four, and we actually got an email from a listener saying that he did the same thing, and he was glad that he did it. He's not going back and reading the first three, and I think that's a that's a good choice too. This book is like thirty pages 
of Shaolin Cowboy, who is, you know, part Shaolin monk, part cowboy, beating the shit out of some zombies. Like, it's just 30 pages of Jeff Darrow goodness, and it's just act, it's silent. I say action sequences and it's like he's like punching through guys necks and like just it's it's in, it's insane and it's like not even a lot of like switch ups on the angle it's just like it's a continuous grisly fight mm-hmm. and if you love Jeff Darrow you will enjoy this quite a bit and then there's like some story stuff at the end of it which I didn't quite get because I hadn't read the first three issues but it's worth it just for those 30 pay- and so i i challenge you next week go out and and pick up like issue 16 of something that you haven't read the first 15 and you might be surprised and find something like this so where do Shell i and start Cowboy. this kirkman chap on the walking dead he's got something uh, uh, uh 119 issues of the walking dead in and and i it occurred to me the other day uh, that he's he's basically I don't he's not show running it but he's working on a television program that's uh, probably quite quite uh, useful of his complex time, yes is what I'm getting at and uh, and he's still making the comic books and and the comic books and he's very active in running image yeah yeah and the comic books haven't really suffered for that I find this very interesting I wanted to bring this up there in the middle of the all out war um uh, uh story. And uh, it keeps going back and forth, and you think that the good guys have the, the, the hand up, and then they don't. And, and I've really been impressed by the plotting in terms of keeping this thing going, although it does feel slightly interminable. Because it, like they just keep going back and forth. There's, there's like some attrition, and then it goes the other way. And uh, they, I, I was actually very surprised at the end of this issue uh, by a thing that happened. I'm invoking the Walking Dead rule right now. Right. <laughs> so if That's you've true. read it, you'll know, and if not, but... Uh, there was a, a thing in the last issue where, where Negan, who is the bad guy, uh, did something that was surprising and absolutely necessary. He, he stopped he basically stopped the character from raping somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, be- and, and at the beginning, I thought, oh, God, comics cannot handle another rape scene right now in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can't. We just that's enough. And, and so the bad guy stopped that from happening. Um, and then that played into what happened at the end of this issue, um, which uh, actually surprised me. Uh, and I, I was uh, I was impressed by it. And then there's an ad for the little Negan action figure. And if I was still into action <laughs> figures, I would totally get that because it's pretty cool. <laughs> Paul, did you read Avengers World number one? I did. And uh, did you, did you, is there a point? It's a it's a it's a it's a surprise reunion of uh, Secret Warriors. Basically. Yeah, I picked it, I picked it up because I missed the Avengers. I dropped off during Infinity. I didn't. I wasn't really feeling that story, so I dropped all the Avengers books. But I've missed those characters, so I picked this up and. It's fun. I, it's still full of, <laughs> it's still full of characters I don't really care about on the Avengers side, and it's also seems to be, still be tied into Infinity somehow. Um, but I don't know because I'm not reading it. There's but, also uh, some stuff from Secret of Avengers, um, which uh, Spencer was doing with like yeah. AIM. There's right. a lot of stuff going on with AIM. Right, I, I've been reading that, so that's okay. This is um, Hickman nominally writing, but Spencer really writing, and uh, Stefano Caselli. Is that who the artist is? Yeah, and th- that was it. Was it was Hickman and Caselli and Bendis on Secret Warriors, which I I liked quite a bit when that was coming out. Um, and there's some of the same bad guys, as like the yeah. Corgan and. It's like all like Hydra stuff, and yeah. So this seems to be from what it says in the back the. Um, Avengers on Earth book, like Avengers World, where they're facing world catastrophes. So in this issue, they're like they're like split up into six different teams fighting all over the globe. And it was a yeah, bit. It's like, it's like Avengers International. Yeah, it was a bit jarring, simply because there was so many scene changes constantly. But yeah, I did enjoy it for the most part, and I had fun with it. I um, yeah, it's it's not my favorite group of Avengers. Like the, like the, yeah. it's not it's they're not my favorite Avengers characters. It's like it's Hyperion and Smasher and a lot of the the characters that Hickman brought in at the beginning of his Avengers run and right. not uh, you know those new universe characters. I don't care anything. Yeah, about. it's like not really you know my bag, but it's I don't know. It's I, I think I think it's a it's a it's like the villains are more interesting. I think. I'm going to stick with it so I'm stick simply with it because I like those Miss the Avengers, but I'm also on a short leash on it because I don't really care about the Infinity stuff. And I think, I think Spencer is on a on a roll lately with this and like Superior Foes of Spider-Man, and mm. so I'm interested to see where he, where he takes us. 
Star Wars number 13. Uh, this, uh, this was an issue featuring a, a guest artist, Facundo somebody. <laughs> uh, Facundo Percio. Just uh, actually a wonderful name to say. Um, the thing I liked about this issue is that it basically focused. I did that thing where you zoom in and you focus on one of those imperial officers. This one is Ensign Nanda, <coughs> and she has right. been just sort of randomly recruited by Vader to do a bunch of stuff for her. I related to this oddly enough. Um, <laughs> she she's just in the middle of all this stuff and she's got to get through and 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 with the idea like if I screw up at all, uh, he's Vader's probably going to choke me. <laughs> but Vader's also sort of oddly supportive to her, and she sort of gets the ropes of how things work, and she's with a crew of, like, really, really roughneck stormtroopers, like, the, like not, not the guys who are stationed on the, on, the, on the Death Star, but, like, real good ones. Black um, Ops. Yeah, the, the Black Ops stormtroopers. They have that shoulder pad. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I really I dug this. The sort of Vader story. might not just choke you. He may take your faith and smash it into a table. Yeah, that's awesome. And there was a blockade runner in this, which is one of my favorite ships. I, you know... I laughed because, as horrible as it is, I kind of like it when Joder, Vader chokes out. He could choke you out know, imperial officers. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. Um, it does. This series does play a little flat, fast, and loose with the "quote unquote" rules of the universe. But that's I'm trying to look beyond that and just enjoy the stories. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean the rules of the universe? Well, like you know, traditionally speaking, the the reason why in the film, well, the reason why it was explained in the films all the imperials were, were white British men is because the imp- empire was not really supportive of women or minority, you know, other races. So right. the idea, well, this, the, the girl in this is, is dark skin. No, no, I, no, I know that. And I thought, you I mean thought, in, in the trilogy, you mean, are there? Yeah. Well, Lando, but, uh, so I, my, my point was more a larger because they've got other, uh, species to be, uh, um, well, that was the thing they didn't they like, I don't know that much. I don't know. I, I don't know. I you thought the same thing, th- but I let it go. Well, they have Admiral, uh, Admiral Thrawn later on. He's blue. That was a heavy thing in that book too. There was, was an alien supposed- thing though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was definitely anyway in the books there was an alien uh, speciesist uh, problem. Definitely. Yes. The point is, I am enjoying it, even with having to look beyond my inherent sort of rules for Star Wars. Yeah. Connor, do a Chewbacca growl. <clears throat> okay. Right. Um, Cataclysm: The Ultimate's Last Stand, number three. Have you guys been giving up with this one too? I have been reading. <laughs> have you been giving up? With this? I haven't been giving. Keeping up. up, keeping up. Um, so in this issue, this was the one where uh, the characters from the Ultimate Universe cross over into the six one six universe, and I said with pain in my mouth, <laughs> my mouth um, to try to find a way to stop Galactus. It's finally catching on to the point where we just are like, fine, six one fucking six, fuck it. whatever. Um, yeah, um, I read this because you put it on the list. And I thought it was fun. I, I'm, I always like, I was looking forward to them finally crossing over. I was hoping for more character interaction. Though. I thought it was funny when, uh, so fast, evil Reed, Reed Richards and, and Miles Morales go across to find a solution and they go to the Baxter building and they're able to get in because he's Reed is the same voice pattern and he's basically Reed Richards. And, but but uh, they are discovered and the, the, the Herbie bots attack them and Miles takes them on a chase through Manhattan and they you know, crossover with uh, Superior Spider-Man, they ended up chasing him instead, and I thought that was funny. Pretty but, good, uh, Bagley. Yeah, I thought I, it was good. I, I thought really like that. You just mentioned the Herbie bots going after him. That first page of of the Herbie bots all shooting at him. Was that's mm-hmm. a good. That's a that really that worked for the sort of. This is how messed up this is. I you know what I think. Uh, I, I think Bendis is is the, this issue and the Spider-Man issue. They're 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 good old fun books still. You know. Yeah. I was, uh, I'm wavering on whether or not this is going to mean the end of the Ultimate Universe. I keep changing my mind every I feel time like I read. It, it does, but I feel like you know Miles will live on over there. Did you guys see the news earlier? That no, I don't follow the news. The, there's a new line of Ultimate books that are coming oh, out. Yes, the, I, I I thought in this issue it felt a little less doom, mm-hmm. and I thought okay, no, they're not going to do it. I so want them to. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, and I kind of do too. I just because I want to see them do that. It's a lot of them are gonna make it out. Like like Miles is, you know, there's gonna be a Miles book. There's gonna be a, a, a Future Foundation book and FF or Ultimate FF. So they're they're sort of reconfiguring the line. Yeah. So it will exist in some form, and Bendis I will th- be involved. I I thought when this thing started that they were definitely gonna do it. But then, as it's gone on, I, and then this issue particularly, I thought, no, they're not actually going to do it. Well, they, because they, they it did felt- a good job of sort of like setting up the red herring or whatever for yeah. us. No, they totally did. I also like the second to last page when 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 uh, Evil Reed sort of is like, I screwed up. I saw my daughter. That sucks. 
<laughs> he's like, I, I, thought, I never noticed how how beautiful the world is. I'm like, man, that's bad timing. I I, I really liked that. Lately. I really liked that. Uh, I mean, it's really it's sort of cheesy, but it it summed it up and is like, what's the difference between this guy and the other one? Is that the other guy was allowed to have a family? By the right. way, Franklin Richards, he'd be what, forty five, forty six now? <laughs> Lose track. <laughs> yeah, kinda. <laughs> He'd be just settling to old age, getting some heart blood pressure pills. Uh, fine. <laughs> He's got a high cholesterol problem. That's definitely. Anyway, those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Let's do a quick bit on the book of the month for January, which may surprise some, but not others. It is my decision. It's my selection. It's Green Arrow. You mean that we have a book for January in January? Yes, well, that's also surprising. Green Arrow, Volume 1, Hunter's Moon. And this was the first collection of the Mike Grell series. Uh, so this is the first post... Um, Longbow Hunters. Longbow Hunters seri- uh, collection, which has never been collected before. And I, I was always of the opinion it was never going to get collected because it was just too, too different from, uh, you know, the Green Arrow you know now. Shit's but, dark. But it is because... And I, th- I think I, I like to think part of it's because of of the popularity of the Arrow show, which I think lends a lot to this book. Um, but let's talk about what this book was. It was a big deal. And I think this is... I read this when I was a kid. I'm trying to get the um, the timing here. This came out in uh, 1980. Well, Longbow Hunters was 87. This was 88, I believe. His run was 88 through 98. Yeah, so I was... Also, that's a super long run, but um, I was... That's a really long run. Yes, I was 11 years old when this book came out. And uh, Green Arrow was always one of my favorite characters. And my older friend was reading it. And I'd read issues at his house, and I was like, what is this? Because this is way, basically... Connor's older friend, uh, he was a 65-year-old librarian. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's be honest about that. Uh, his name was Noah. He lived on the floor below us. All right, so... Um, it was a very this, Harold and Maude situation. This yeah. was a Vertigo book before there was a Vertigo. And it reads very much like a Swamp Thing from that era. It reads very much like... Sandman from that era. The art is even of that era. Um, it, it totally fits into that look and feel of those mature comics from that time that led to Vertigo's creation. It wasn't a Vertigo book. It wasn't ever labeled a Vertigo book, but it, it very much Karen was. Karen didn't edit it, did she? Let's see. Who edited this book? I don't think so. I don't believe so Mike either. Um, but... I mean, it has that feel. And Paul, am I, wrong? am I completely crazy in that? And that feels like that kind of that era? Yeah. You're, you're crazy, and it does feel like that era. Um, so, uh, so on art, you've got. I mean, in, that, I mean in this instance, not in general. I'm, obviously, I'm crazy. You got Ed Hannigan, Dick Giordano, and Frank McLaughlin um, with crazy colors by Julia Lacument. It's interesting that like DC stalwart editor in chief Dick Giordano was editing, uh, was inking this book. Um, what made this? What made this? An, and it was labeled "Mature Readers" on the cover. Yes. Yeah, but he was also like the head of the. You know, like the, he's the most like DC did, guy there was. Casada did books for a while. No, I'm not saying because he was head of the chief. I mean because he's like sort of the stalwart Silver Age DC guy. You know, he did all that art that they used in the in the toy lines and everything for years. Like right. this is a very dark. Uh, there's cursing. There's nudity. There's awfulness in it. There's a hood. He doesn't have trick arrows. He has like real arrows. Yeah, so this is killing dudes. I should let you read this. This well, this, this, that's the least of the things he shouldn't let me read. Um, so in this in this basically story, this is a Green Arrow living in. And this is also like older. He's he's very much older. So is Dinah, who is not a, not Black Canary in this, but she's she, you know she's retired. She's still Black Canary, but she doesn't wear the costume or anything. Um, they're very much like in their forties. They're retired to Seattle. Well, not retired, but she's retired, and they're in Seattle running a florist shop. And he goes out at night with uh, the hood and real steel-tipped arrows. There's no boxing glove arrows here. For years, what's, this was my you know version of Green Arrow. This is what I thought of. Was like what's the, real... the flower shop called? It's called uh, Sherwood's Forest. Sherwood's Florist. Florist, that's like right. He Sherwood's wants Florist. To be found. Wonderful. <laughs> he wants to be found. Um, and it really just deals with street-level stuff. I mean, uh, So you've got six issues here. Each, each story is two-parter. The first one's about a child murderer uh, who gets free from prison. The second story is about uh, a Russian Chinese sort of proxy war for looking for this um, 
tech, uh, this it was like a bug or a germ that, that that fell out of a satellite landed on an island mm-hmm. by Seattle, and then he was out sent out there with Eddie, against Eddie Fires, who becomes a major character. And the third story is about uh, gay bashing and gay assaults at a park in Seattle really? by the local gangs. Yeah, I mean this was serious, dark street level stuff. Not well, it's usually, it's also it's it's after the Denny O'Neill. Yeah. Oh, way Adam after. stuff. Way after. Yeah. But still, this is ten years later. Mm-hmm. Um, this was serious. This was serious business. I mean, this was Mike Rell getting to you know explore society's ills through Green Arrow, through a very sort of quote unquote realistic superhero story, and uh, not for the faint of heart. I mean, this this never really led up. As far as I knew, of reading, I didn't read every single issue, but uh, it, it stayed this tone for the whole run, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really surprised they they collected it, but I also. You can see a lot of the tone of the Arrow show in this in this book. Um, it was like it's like heart to heart with Robert Wagner meets Death Wish. Interesting, because you've got this this couple that are you know sort of working together on this stuff in this horrible, horribly named florist shop where he desperately there wants was to get florist is an awesome name for a florist shop. Not you would, if you want to also you do love vigilante. Buds. I love them. I, that's that would be a great name for my flower shop. You think it's a, it's a it's a if you're if you're basically Robin Hood. I'm a, yeah, I'm agreeing with Josh that it's a terrible cover. <laughs> is it worse than when he became mayor? Yes, no. No. He was, but he was he wasn't trying to hide lateral that. move. It wasn't a secret. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was. it was. Yeah, yeah it, it was. was. It was a secret. Yes, yeah. that's what I I'm guess, saying. I guess I blocked that out because it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. I mean, this. The, what I like about this is they're not, um, quote-unquote, whitewashing anything. Like, I thought I was worried they might. Like, the language is still in here. Um, oh, really? You thought they would, they would go and enjoy Pools of blood. I thought they might. Um, pools of blood. Viscera. There's the questionable coloring. The, they meet an American Indian woman who's colored with red skin. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a printing thing. Coloring is I'm super bold. Say. Like, I mean, there's really violent scenes, and it's really not how we would color things today. I mean, it's like bright yellows, and it's just well, it's very much of its. If you look back oh, to yeah. the swamp stories and the you know the Spider-Man, this is how comics were done back then. And yeah, it, yeah. I'm glad they're keeping it intact. I'm looking forward to oh, more. No, me too. Definitely, oh. it shouldn't be updated or anything. What did you think overall? I mean, Paul, I read this as a kid, but you never really read this before, right? You no, know, I, I I read. I, they they put out. Longbow Hunters oh, a little while back, and I'd read that, and um, like I, I'd read the, the the most recent reprint of that, and then uh, and so yeah, I'd I'd heard about this like oh the Mike Grell run, and um, I I I did like this a lot. Um, this is different than the Longbow Hunters. It, Longbow Hunters preceded this. This was a oh, that was a three parter Longbow Hunters, and then this was the ongoing. Okay. The, yeah, this comes out of that. You don't need to have read Longbow Hunters for this, though. Don't, the first no. story deals with some but of it a little bit. But that, right? Grell? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here he just writes cover. It. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, that's cool. Um, but it really is uh, a different kind of Green Arrow. And, and uh, Josh, I'd be very interested to see what you think. I mean, it's not you know, modern storytelling, but it's, it's really down and dirty. Um, so check it out. It's like it interesting because it's like it's it, – I mean, it's not – photo reel but i guess it's the equivalent of photo reel at the time and it's not i mean you, you think of like um you can go ultra dark with like dark knight returns and but that's like super hyperbolic like it's really over the top this just feels like they were going for street level like it it's take place in the it takes place in the real world you know it's in seattle yeah, you're not one of the fictional cities. I don't remember if there was actually ever any other superheroes that showed up in this. Again, I didn't read the whole thing, and it was 1988, so I don't remember exactly. But I don't remember reading any. I don't know if they ever they exist in this. Room. They must have some, to some extent, but it's really sort of separate. I the only thing I just I wish that they'd put more into the volumes. Like it's, you know, the first six issues of a ten year run. Right. So it's going to take ten thousand years to. You know, <laughs> Put this I'm out. under no illusions. This is actually going to complete. Oh yeah, you know, like like the Nam collections, but uh, and you know, it's it's not on good quality paper. They're 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 under no illusions about how many people are actually going to buy this. But <laughs> I'm hoping people enough people do so that I can get at least a couple of these because I I loved these when I was a kid. It should just have like a cover blurb that just says here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you know who you are and who's here, DC. Paul, did you read? Did you get to read the whole thing? Yeah. 
Did you read the uh, my favorite bit? The favorite sort of outlandish bit was when Green Arrow has to earn a respect from the local gang by running the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are they the Van Buren boys? Well, first of all, you got the kind of gangs that that Tom Caters used to talk about in his podcast. So, like a lot of they wear like headbands and vests and things. But um, but uh, he's got this, this gang's been been attacking gays in, in the park and. Uh, you know, he's basically stuck in this situation where he's covered. He's, he's surrounded by guns and everything, and he wants the respect of the gang. They're, they'll let him go, and so he has to run the gauntlet, which means, which is what they do for new recruits, where you have to run down this corridor with guys with like nunchucks and chains and bats and pipes as they beat on you. Yeah, it's actually pretty brutal. Great use of black and white scenes in this. It's very much. I, 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 you know, I referenced Law and Order before. It's very much like a like I could see like Elliot I Stabler involved in. <laughs> like yeah. this kind of undercover operation or, or, you know, getting to know the kids. It's very much a gray story. I mean, like, you know, Oliver Queen is not above letting the gang people shoot each other and walking away because that's justice. So it's good stuff. I really like Pools of blood. Yeah. Green Arrow, Volume 1, The Hunter's Moon is the uh, name of the book. If you're a Green Arrow fan or you like that era of comics or anything we just said sounds interesting. Uh, check it out. That has to do uh, with the comic. Not that no uh, Fanboys Book of the Month. Now, we're running short on time, but let's quickly mention that Image Comics Expo happened this week. Image Expo 2013, which is Image's uh, you know, own branded convention they do in each year now. And they announced 13 new books from some high-profile creators. Let's, Ooh, let's each... It's called Expo 2013? Yeah. Why isn't it? Okay. Because it's the coming... Oh, good question. Why is it called Because it's that? the... <laughs> we are in 2014. What year is it? I don't know. Was it called 2013, 2014? I'm going to say 14. Since the Paul, one I had last I think year. The, I think the article that I found that has a rundown of some of the things that came out said 2013, and that's not actually what it was. Yeah, no, it's Image Comics 2014. I apologize. <laughs> that is my fault. So uh, lots of books came out from people like James Robinson. Oh, not came up, renounced. James Robinson, Rick Remender, Grant Morrison, Bill Willingham, Kieran Gillen, Scott Snyder, Nick Spencer, uh, Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Kyle Higgins, Josh Williamson, Ke- Joe Keating. Tons of new books. Brandon Graham. Uh, let's say which one, Paul, are you most looking forward to? Oh, gosh. Um, how about how about one that I'm I'm sort of. Uh, Tossing and turning on. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Sure. I'm a big Michael Chabon fan. Uh-huh. I do not exactly, I, I did not latch on to Casanova. He's going to be doing some backup stories in Casanova. So I'm going to try it. I don't know if it's going to work for me, though. Um, other things I'm excited about uh, Rick Remender. Yes. And Greg Deschini, who know. they worked on Last Days of American Crime. And they did X Force too. Yeah, that's right. And so they're they're doing a book called Low. I don't know what it's about. I want it. Right. I'm looking forward to obviously the Scott Snyder Jock book, which is which is with a Y. Witches. Which which Scott Snyder claims is going to be the most fucked up book he's ever written. Yeah, I like that quote. Um, wow. It's supposed to be how witches were even worse than we thought they were. Cool. Uh, but the Snyder and Jock together is very intriguing. Yes, and I'm 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 really I was really intrigued by the Grant Morrison Chris Burnham, definitely nameless, which I don't even know what it's about. No, I don't want to know any more than that. I'm, I'm good yeah. with that. Um, they and Remender, Chikini, and Low. I mean, those are the three probably the most I'm looking forward to. I am looking forward to the James Robinson book, which sounds crazy because it sounds crazy. And then I heard I heard what it was about, and then I saw the image, and I was like, it really is that thing that they said it was about? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> They are it's, in the book. It's a book about James. It's James Robinson on art and Greg Hinkle on. Uh, I'm Greg, James Robinson on story. Greg Hinkle on art, and it's about the two of them trying to do, do an Airboy comic. It's kind of like which should be with, public domain, but I think. And it gets weird. They go like on a drug and alcohol trip. It's funny because Robinson's newly sober, so that's gonna be interesting. How, you know, to, when you're writing that. That could but, be incredibly uh, honest in that way. I think but, that could be fascinating. I mean, it, yes. it could be a disaster, but it could be uh, amazing. And I, that's the one that, to me that I think has the most. Uh, that yeah, the, air, the airboy character comes to life at some point, or either is a hallucination, but it's apparently some sort of drug fueled trip into trying to write a comic. And I and I, and that doesn't even sound like something I like, but 
I've, I've met Robinson. I've read a lot of his work, and he's fascinating. So uh, he's very honest. He's yeah. exceedingly honest. So. Yeah, and I, I like that uh, a lot. I haven't um, seen this kind of thing since the exhibitionists. No, <laughs> not the exhibitionists. The escapists. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, what could be interesting. Um, uh, I, I can't. I don't. I don't even. I I only look at names. I really do. I I don't. I don't even check to see what things are about most of the time. I just look who's involved or what it looks like. And I, the Willingham and Kitson thing. Um, I love Kitson's work. I it's yeah. this. It's got an elegance to it. Um, and and you know Willingham can tell some good stories. He's been sort of waist deep in in fables for such a long time. It'd be interesting to see him him create another thing. We'd be especially. remiss to not mention Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey yeah, back definitely. together. Uh, from what I've read, McKelvey's doing the first arc, and then he's going off. They're doing pho- in the third phonogram. Right. Well, phonogram. <laughs> and then McKelvey comes back after phonogram. So, but okay. it's still going to be interesting. I don't even the Wicked and the Divine. Don't know what it's about. Don't care. There's some great titles. Uh, so, like one that jumped out at me, uh, Bitch Planet, which is a great title um, by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Delandro. And I really enjoyed her work, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's work uh, in 2013. Like I really like Captain Marvel. I really like Pretty Deadly. Um, so I'm I'm interested in in that one. Um, what about the the um, the Brubaker thing, where he's got like this multi-year deal where oh, he can right. do yeah, like whatever he list. wants. Brubaker's got like a carte blanche thing. Him and Sean Phillips are doing a book, and then which they say he said they said it'll sound like feel like criminal, and then uh, they're gonna do whatever they want for five years, something like that. Do you think there's like a thing where they they've got turned down a lot prior to that? Listen, listen, you guys have nixed so many of the things that we want to do that I need, <laughs> I need you to write down that we can do whatever we want. There was a, there was a quote from Brubaker where he said, it's like having your own movie studio and being able to do whatever you want. Like, he's got just like a sandbox where he can just do anything. And that's kind of exciting. Well, what, what I'm saying is... I know that like that sort of exists like, pretty you know, informally. Yeah. We call that the Joe Casey Agreement. But you have that like, like written out, uh, you know, in front of you, like to... To have that formally recognized I yeah. like, is no, also yeah. probably the impetus for a lot of imagination. I would think. He's savvy. It's, uh, That's what happened to me when you're like, do whatever you want on iFanboy, and I like wrote crazy shit. Yeah, right. but there was no stakes. He's still got to make sure people get paid. He, I mean, he's commercial <laughs> enough. He knows. I mean, he knows. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I, but, listen, uh, you want to write Minecarp, you do it all day, and I'll pay you for it <laughs> in the past. <laughs> Which I guess fits the anyway. I think I think the point is lots of exciting announcements were made, and I and you know we we praised Image last year. With the, they were our publisher of the year. That they did a lot of exciting things last year. There was things they announced last year, still haven't come out. Like Jason Aaron's book that we're looking forward to. At least said uh, that wasn't coming out for a while. Right? No, we knew that. What I'm saying is 2014 is going to be, yeah. I think, another strong year for them in terms of creative output and interesting comics that are being made. Uh, so. Lots of good, lots of exciting things. Like Image Expo 2013, 14. As I delete that and change it. Sorry. Uh, we didn't. We were we're skipping uh, audience questions because we had the book of the month and the Image Expo to talk about. But we'll bring those back next week. In the meantime, if you've got a question you want to get on the show, email us at contact at ifanboy.com or call our voicemail line at eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. Keep your voicemail to thirty seconds and tell us your name and where you're from in both. Um, and give us some interesting. Let's kick off 2014 right with some real good audience questions. Yes, please. let's do another. Let's do another relationship show. Sure, let's do one of those. Send in your questions. Start sending in your relationship. You guys are all domestic now. It's not going to be fun. No, it's still fun. That's okay. why we have you. Yeah. So we'll sometime down the line, we'll do we'll another a show with all relationship question emails, which we haven't done in years. But let's do that again. Okay. Paul, plug your shows. Plugs. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun stuff. Are these shows coming out in 2013, Paul? These are things that are coming up this month. They're coming oh. up in January of 2014. Um, Wait, it's 2014? It's 2014. Oh. Adjust your checks. So, yeah. Uh, if you're watching my The Justified... My story address on them. The new season of Justified on the yeah, FX, yeah, which has true. the movies. Um, Fuzzy Typewriter, we're going to be doing that weekly. Uh, that's you the plan anyway. We're doing every episode, huh? We're gonna, yeah, we're going to do that. Yep, uh, we're still gonna. Put, I, I've been banking those Cheers episodes. So we'll be talking about Cheers, um, Book Explode, Akira Volume One and Two by Katsuhiro Otomo. That's gonna be on Book Explode. That Scotty Young is gonna come on and talk about it. We're gonna record that next week, so it'll be coming out quickly. So read those books. 
Um, and then over on CBR, Comic Book Resources, every Sunday around noontime Eastern, check out Sunday Conversation. This week, it's already up by the time you're listening to this, Joshua Hale Fialkov, uh it gets dark pretty quick. Really? Uh, That's talking about how he transcribed uh, n- uh, therapy notes when he was seven years old for his psychiatrist dad. Eee. Um, who did like court courtroom like therapy sessions, <laughs> and he had to transcribe all the like, you know, those sessions. So that's interesting. That and we guy also has talk a problem with being candid. And we also talk about Gilmore <laughs> Girls. Um, Ooh, good. So as usual, a totally schizophrenic uh, Sunday conversation, and that's what what's coming up. And we're, I guess we're also going to do a special edition show on the new Justice League War. Right, that's the DC one. animated thing. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. We should mention the fade out is the name of Brew Baker and Phillips' book. The fade out. All right. Okay. Betfanway.com. Comment on this show. Comment fade on any out. of the shows we do as we fade out in this episode. Uh, follow us on Twitter.com/slash/fanboy. That's where you will find. Also at Facebook.com/slash/fanboy. That's where you'll find Paul picked his book very early on a Wednesday. Um. I wanted to get like, a jump on things. I was like, I, there are a lot of books this week. I'm going to get a jump on it Wednesday because I usually, lately I've been leaving it to, you know, the very last minute. And... I double-taked in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 11 a.m. East Coast. On the East Coast. Time. I, I, some, even, I, I read some stuff time. early and then I woke up very early on Wednesday and I was like, let's do this. Do this. Because I had a lot of interviews to do <laughs> towards the end of the week, so... But I did read a bunch of stuff, and I. That's you know, where you can know what the pick's going to be before the show. And I stand by my pick, so. It's a great well, awesome. pick. Uh, yeah, like he said, you can know that there. You can email us. Uh, we won't tell you, though. You'd have to look on those other places. At contact at fanboy.com with your relationship questions. Or leave a voicemail at 888fanboys, which is 326-2697. Again, actually, boy, audio is the best way to go with the relationship questions. That's yes. true. Uh, we want some relationship voicemails. Yeah, we want to hear the we want to hear the pain and the despair. I would like to hear both sides. Yes. Ooh, you can have your side, and then the other side can call in with a rebuttal. And we can, that's we even can, better. We can make judgment. Oh. We, can, we can hand down our our answer. So I'm wait, liking this idea more. Who's deciding what happens with the house? These guys in a podcast. What's the wait? What's the <laughs> podcast about? It's about comic books. Yeah, but they've been doing it a long time, okay? It's about more than comic books. It's about yeah. life, love. It's about life. But and didn't they do a relationship oh. show before? Yeah, yeah. How many of them are still together? Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about that. It was years ago. Things change. What are you going to do? How many divorces have there been? The one guy is just the one. No. <laughs> no, not even at that time. It had already happened by then. It's fine. Oh, boy. not talking about me. Good stuff. I don't want to talk about it anymore. This is I don't think I was old enough to date by the when you did the first relationship show. We're old. So. That's what we're saying. Yeah. God, remember we did the video one? That was like five serious girlfriends Shut- ago for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before Connor gets in too much trouble, um, if you dig us, write us a review in iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about us, tell your significant other about it, about us, and well, think about that. try to convince them that we know what's best for you, the both of you, or the three of you, depending like, on your relationship. We're, like, you we're not unlike King Solomon. Yeah, right. I would say we will hand down uh, rulings from on high. We oh, will, also, I mean, we'll hand down judgment. No, one problem. more, one more, one more plug. What? I'm also a new regular co-host on Book Rages, which is about you know comics and other books, like with the just the no pictures. So uh, check out the Book Rages podcast. I don't know. Wow. Where, I don't know where you find the time. I'm on all the podcasts. I have to be. You have well, to or what? They asked me over the holidays. <laughs> and I was like, Are you sure? Or a hobo dies. Until yep. next how, week. That's how we got it. <laughs> I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I don't know anything about Slippery Pete. <laughs>